let's pick up where we left off last week and, and just quickly review it. I'm not going to go into details. I, I just want to set the table up, really, that's all. Uh, Nehemiah 4, verse 6, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. This key verse, the people, he said, had worked with enthusiasm. Remember we talked about this? How they actually got to a point in, in this fourth, by the time we come to the fourth chapter where he says, we built the entire wall around the city. Now, we didn't build it all the way up. We only had built it halfway. So it was kind of at the midpoint of the project. As some of you may recall that we talked about the dangers that happen a lot of times when, when we're in the middle places. How often when we're in the middle places of a project or an aspiration or something we feel God's calling us to, to pursue, that it's in those middle places where momentum often dies. And Nehemiah was experiencing just that. There was a wave of opposition that came at him, even as they were <laughs> succeeding in many ways. I mean, they had built something significant, and yet we're fine, we find that the people, uh, instead of being you know, excited about what had been accomplished, started to lose their resolve. And in fact, begin to speak like they weren't going to be able to make it. Let's look at this together. It says here that they all, after hearing about the plans of the enemies in verses 7 and 8 to come against them, that he says, you know, we prayed to God and we started to protect ourselves and guard the city. But in verse 10, notice what happens in verse 10. It says, then the people of Judah began to complain. And, and the workers, they say, he said, the workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble still to be moved and we'll never be able to build this wall by ourselves. And then meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we're just going to swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. And then, and then the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again that they're just going to come and attack you from all directions and you guys are in big trouble. And, and so what Nehemiah is saying that here they are, they've accomplished the building of the wall, half of its height all the way around the city. And now all of a sudden he says this series of negative things begin to get thrown at them. Firstly, he says, they, the, the, our opponents who don't want to see this wall built and the gates restored, they don't want to see a shift in the balance of power immediately begin to um, make plans to retaliate against us. And they, and they let it be known they're coming. Then he says the people who uh, have been doing the work all of a sudden started to get really discouraged. They started to complain. They started to look at one another, and, and instead of saying, hey, look what we've done so far, they started looking at the rubble that was still around them, and they said, we've worked so hard, and this is all we've done. We'll never make it. Then on top of that, he says, then there were real plans from the enemies that were saying they were going to come and, and actually violently attack us. And then on top of that, Nehemiah says, not only did he have to deal with the external resistance and the enemies and the internal drop of morale, which was bad enough, but then he says the people who were our friends and supporters who were living outside of the city, who were actually supposed to be supportive of what we were trying to do, they started coming back in the city and basically saying, you guys are doomed. You're finished. You'll never make it. And he's saying on every side, we're getting it. Real opposition, internal drop of morale. Everybody's complaining and saying how tired they are. We can't finish. We're never going to do it. Remember now, they had, a pat they had no history of breakthrough. They had, the people of Jerusalem had, we, in our vernacular, what we would say is they had become accustomed to living with dysfunction. That that had been the way that it had been. It always, had, always was going to be. And it wasn't until Nehemiah came that they actually saw a better future that God had for them was really possible. And if they would contend for it. And so in this situation, you've got to understand, it doesn't take a lot to defeat them because it plays into all the scripts. It's like as if we were trying to make progress in an area 
and we're, 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 we're hitting some rough patches. And, and then people start coming around us and telling us why we're never going to make it. And, and then things from our past start creeping back at us. And, and, and again, what happens is we drop back, we start talking and thinking the way that we always have. And, and yeah, and, and this is what he's having to deal with. And Nehemiah says, you know what, stop it right now. And then he begins to, he challenged them. And look what he says. He says, you know what I did? I did practical things and I did prayerful things. First, I had us all pray. We refocused on God. But then he says also, I, I said, look, we're gonna put, I'm going to put armed guards. And this is what he says in verse 13. I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in exposed areas. And I stationed the people to stand guard by their families, armed with swords and spears and bows. And then I looked over the situation and I called together the nobles and the rest of the people. And I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Stop. Do not be afraid. Remember, don't be afraid. You need to remember the Lord. And then he goes on and he says, remember the Lord who is, who is amazingly able to deliver us, who's great and glorious. And then he says that um, I, 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 after, I, after I told him that, I said, I want you to look around you and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He reminds them of the wise. He says, don't let fear grip you. Um, we're taking practical steps to deal with the threats. Uh, remember God is with us. And remember the people, that we are all doing this for one another. It's not just about ourselves. It's for our future. It's about what God wants to do in terms of a blessing for generations yet to come. We have a reason to finish this. That's his word. And then he goes on. Look what he says. Now verse 15, in this other piece. He says, and when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. And so we got back to work. But then... From then on, he says this, and look what he does. He says, from that point on, though, we made a change. I had only half my men worked while the other half stood guard. And they stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Jerusalem who were building the wall. And then he says, not only did I have station guards on a rotational basis, but then he says this, I asked the laborers, the people who were actually carrying the resources and the supplies, doing the hardest work of all, not the specialized work, but the hard work. He says, I asked the laborers to essentially make a sh change in the way that they were working. He says, from this point on, I said, I needed them to carry on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. So he basically says, you can, I need you to do the work with one hand. You can use the other one to kind of balance, but it's got to always have a weapon attached to it. You're going to need to hold, you're going to need to do the, so then he says, and then verse 17, he says, and then, and then, no, verse 18, and then all the builders, they had, I told them they had to have a sword belted to their side. And then one more thing that I did, even the builders, I had them armed. And then he says, and then I had a, a trumpeteer uh, stay with me always. Wherever I went, he went with me. And his job was to sound the alarm, to blow that trumpet. He says, because if anything happened, I wanted everybody to know precisely where they were, were to run to. Then I explained to the nobles, the officials, and all the people, look, the, the work, it's very spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Verse 20, when you hear the blast of the trumpet, I need you to rush to wherever that is sounding, and then our God will fight for us. We will do this together and defend ourselves. And, and then Nehemiah says this, and we work early and late from sunrise to sunset. And half the men were always on guard. And I told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. You know, I basically I said, and you know what else I did? I asked the people whose homes were outside the city if for the period of time while we were working on this project under such threatening situations, if they would consider the possibility of staying inside the city walls and not going back to where their homes were outside the city. 
He says that that way they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. And during this time, he says, none of us, and I mean none of us, not I, not my relatives, not my servants, not the guards, none of us, he says, nobody who was with me uh, took it easy. We didn't even take off our clothes. It must have been quite smelly, I imagine, at that time. Uh, quite an aroma, quite an aroma. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. He, Nehemiah is saying we threw ourselves into this thing with intensity. Now, let's talk about this. Let's apply this. We've got some time. Let's just move into this. The purpose is to think about principles that we can utilize to prevail based on what Nehemiah teaches us. And one of the things he teaches us is that when the going is getting difficult, that is absolutely essential, we'll call this number one, to not only just keep moving forward, but to remember the value of perseverance and small victories. And I really want to set this in place. Remember, it's the little things that add up over time that produce the big things. Uh, it's, the, it's the life is lived one day at a time. Day by day, if we can think of it, one brick at a time. And it's one of the reasons why, if you think about it, Jesus, when they said to him, because they would look at Jesus and they said, he, he, when he prays, he prays differently than everybody else does. And his disciples were watching him pray one day, and they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray like you pray? And then he said to them, well, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave them a prayer. And I, and I don't necessarily think that he meant it to be the only prayer here, but he said, pray like this. And he gives us what we have as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven. Acknowledge God. You know, holy is your name. You are set apart. There is none like you. We just sang about it, right? And he's this whole idea of, of this prayer that goes forth. And, you know, you know it is just this whole, just, I don't know, just way of communicating with the Lord. But one of the phrases that is in that prayer is what? Give us this day our daily bread, right? You know, holy is your name. You're, there's no one like you. You know, it just, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day. We pray, really, all the things we were singing about were in this, a big part of it was in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day. But nobody says, give us this day our daily bread. You know what? Jesus could have used anything he wanted as a, as a way of thinking about how to live life with God. You know what he'd reduced it to? A day. He said, give us this day. You know what it reminds me of? Is that our faith, our life with him, is really a daily thing. It's one brick at a time. It's not even, he doesn't say, it's, not a, it's a lifetime built around days. And what he was teaching us is the value of daily coming to him. By the way, it's one of the reasons why we're trying to say, hey, let's just take some time daily during this Christmas season that's coming up to spend time with him, to have him be our daily bread. You know what it does? It reminds us that our life at the end of the day isn't about what we achieve it's not about the temporal things that we acquire. It's not even about a lot of good things that we do. At the end of the day, you know, in terms of just you know, what we are able to possess and accomplish, look, look, even, and I think we know this, a lot of, some of you have been reading the biography, Steve Jobs, and of course we've talked a lot about the, the frailty of life and our mortality, and it comes out a lot in those discussions. And there's been a ton of interaction over Walter Isis's book. It's just an amazing thing uh, to just be thinking about the scope of life and the span of life and what creativity in its purest form looks like. But one of the things that's also pretty clear is this, that we can have everything 
and it, it, it's no security. We are fraud, flawed and frail. Jesus was 100% accurate. Do not build on things that cannot last. Lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust, Jesus said, don't corrupt, where thieves can't break in and steal it away, when the economies shift, won't erase all the gains. It's, 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 about, it's about building on something that is substantial and eternal. It doesn't mean disregarding how we live. Nobody was more clear and more sober and more precise in how to live well and love people well than Jesus. You show me that person. So it wasn't about just getting away from earth to get to heaven. He, nobody ever talked about living well as clearly as he did, and yet Jesus said, always live with one eye on what is yet to come. Never forget, we are, we are spiritual beings on a human journey, not just human beings on a spiritual journey. That there was something even more at our core that we were made for God. Powerful stuff. The reason I'm saying that is because it affects how we build and how we think about things. And every now and then, we need to just remind ourselves on a daily basis, life is built on daily choices. And if we can get in a pattern sometimes of just reminding ourselves of this and just keep moving forward and, and not quit when it gets tough, because they were wanting to quit, right? They wanted to quit. And some of us at times will find ourselves, maybe we're there right now, where there's something that we're just so tired, where we, we just have, it's hard for us to push forward. Maybe, maybe we understand that nothing of quality comes without sometimes seasons of, of real challenge. And um, it, sometimes it may mean pushing past our emotional swings because we don't always feel like, yeah, I can do this. Sometimes we might feel really discouraged. We might have nothing in the tank. Sometimes it might mean pushing past uh, our, our doubts and our fears. We're ever really going to make it? Or do I have a real enough faith? Is this really for me? Sometimes it might mean pushing past our, our um, anger, anger issues. Some of us have real, real issues there. That God, it's, it, and, and, and there might be reasons for it, but God wants to teach us how to, how to move through that. And I, I'm going to say something here as well. I think sometimes some of us may actually have to learn how to how to even push past our own, it's going to sound, it could even be our own self-loathing. And I'll take it one step further. It could even be our own self-hatred at some level. And God wants to teach us how to, to be embraced by him so that, that the, whatever is in us increasingly looks like blessing. You understand that? In life. I'm really saying that. I mean that because I think what God wants to flow out of our lives is blessing in life. And he wants to build good things in us so that we can affect other people with his goodness. And that's not always easy. It's a daily thing. It's a, it's a pattern of life that allows us ultimately to have a good life that is a blessed life, that leaves blessing behind. Okay, we'll take it one step further. What else does Nehemiah do here? He not only you know, reminds us of the value of persistence and small victory, but he also reminds us of the value of making adjustments and what I'm going to call strategic compromises. And I know it's like, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is this. When he says to them, okay, here's the deal. We got to get this wall built. I'm as committed to it as anybody else around here is. You know that. But then he also says, but what I'm going to need you to do, especially those of you who are carrying the materials, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's going to slow this thing down. It's not the most efficient way to do it, I know, but I'm going to need you essentially to work with one hand. And the reason you got to do this is because we can get attacked at any moment. And if we do and we're not prepared, the entire project's at peril and at risk. So what I'm going to ask you to do 
is be inconvenienced and accept this and, and do your best with only, only one arm able to carry that load. And they agree to do it. And the reason is, and it's a reminder of something, isn't it? That it, it's a trade-off that Nehemiah was willing to make. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest that there are times where we are going to be faced with detours or setbacks or situations that we're just gonna look at and we're gonna go, man, that is such a hassle. Why do I have to do that? And the truth is, we don't have to do it, but wisdom says to do it. And what Nehemiah is saying is, look, I'm weighing it both ways, and I'm looking at this. It's true. We're not going to get the thing built as fast as we could. But in light of what the real threat is here, I am willing to give up something on this end to keep the security and the safety of what we're trying to accomplish together. It was a very strategic adjustment. There will be times when we are moving through things where we will be faced with a situation where we can either be foolhardy about what we're actually facing and then basically ignore it, or we will work with the reality of what our situation is presenting us, not complain about it, not be discouraged about it, accept the hassle of having to go the extra mile, but be very careful because in those places it's easy to get reckless, cut corners, and disregard it because we just want to get it done. And there are some areas in our lives where God wants us to take care of the business. Get it done. But it's a hassle. It's not what I want to have to do. You know what? Let's deal with this. This needs to be dealt with. And I am being intentionally obscure about that. Because there are times where God wants us to have to, but I don't want to be bothered doing that. Why is this? It doesn't make sense. It, you know what? It's going to be extra effort. It's going to cost us a little extra on the time. Yes, I get that. There's a price tag, Nehemiah says, we're going to be paying for it. But you know what? The ability to live with that security is better than the vulnerability that we're facing. And I'm going to suggest that there are times where God really does care about our security. It's not about just working. It's about making sure that we're safe. And I'm talking about safe at an internal level. And a lot of times we are disregarding the warning signs. And that's, a, and that's a perfect lead to this third piece, which is this. Nehemiah says, all of you, you need to commit to work, but you need to, and the phraseology might be a little simplistic, but commit to work, but stay alert. All right? In other words, do not, do not lose your vigilance. We need to all be ready. You know that he, Nehemiah says, I'm taking this trumpet guy with me wherever I go. <laughs> and when you hear that trumpet and you hear that sound, and that means what? You need to listen. Because when that sound comes, and I can't help but think that there are times where God will speak to us in his word and speak to us by his spirit, the sword and the sound of his voice. This, the, the, the word of the Lord is, often, is sometimes called the sword of the spirit. And this, the trumpet, the sound of the Lord, and how the Lord wants us to live with attentiveness. You see it. Remember there was a moment in the ministry of Christ near the end, the end that was the end of the beginning that was leading to a new beginning. Remember, right before the cross, Jesus is in the garden. What is he praying? He says he can see what's about to happen, right? He knows what's coming. He senses the, the, um, the shame, the separation, the indignity, um, how he is going to be delivered into the hands of violent men and humiliated and stripped to the bone. And his, it, it's going to be a, a multiple-level uh, sense of abandonment from all the people who loved him, including, as it were, for a moment, my Father in heaven. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
It's gonna, he sees it. He says, Father, if it is possible for me to achieve the purpose for which I was born in some other way, would you take this cup from me? And then almost as if he understands immediately there is no other way. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And in that moment, he turns because he had asked his disciples, not just any of his disciples, but his key team that he invested the most into, Peter, James, John. They're sleeping. He turns and he, he, when he, need, they, he needed them there just to be present, not to understand because they were never going to understand. None of us, even now, we don't understand. We understand a little bit. But Jesus said, could you just, I want to put this up. In Matthew 26, when he comes back and he finds them, he says this, watch and pray. And he, not only, he doesn't say this to them as he does, but not in a contemptuous, you worthless, you, you, you no value to me. That wasn't how he says it. You can't even, well, I need the one time I need. No, it's almost like I feel like he's speaking to all of us. I think he is. Because we are them. Watch and pray, my friends, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is, is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's almost like he said, I know you. But don't forget. Don't forget. And you know what I hear in this? Know your weakness. Never, never underestimate our weakness. That's what Nehemiah was saying. We're vulnerable when you stay alert. Jesus is saying, don't underestimate. You know what? Part of the Christian life is discerning our weakness and being honest about issues. You know, I, when this happens, I tend to do this. When these buttons are pushed, this tends to be how I go. Part of growing in Christ is learning how to understand ourselves in him and allowing others to speak into that and building a sense of safety around us so that we have, we have ways of protecting ourselves from the weaknesses that are within or the things that have been passed down to us generationally that we have just, it's part of who we are, it's how we react and we're not thinking, it comes out. Sometimes I've noticed the things that we hate is what comes out. And, and, and the Lord wants to get in there. And he, the master surgeon, wants to work in those areas and begin to create something new, build something new, build something new. But it has to do with being aware and alert. And then the last thing we'll say about it, it's not just being alert, it's also committing ourselves to work with a degree of tenacity and steadfastness because breakthrough always is connected to working hard. And you say, what are you talking about? Isn't this about God? Absolutely it is, but it's also about us. We get what we put in. This Christian life cannot work well passively. It's not designed to work well dabbling with it. It's something you throw your heart into. And that's, what, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a life of vibrancy and vigor. And it's going to challenge us. And growth is not always easy. And, it, and in working hard, and, and he says, look, we worked all day, we work, we worked from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, from sunrise to sunset. We were sweaty. We didn't even change. We worked hard to build this wall. And what he was saying was it was going to cost us something. And there are things in our lives, there is breakthrough that God's wanting to do and will do and will help us to do. But we're going to have to pour our heart into it. We're going to have to join with him in the effort. We're going to have to work at it. 
It's not going to come passively. It's going to come through fits and struggles and wrestling. You know, anything. You think about a seed busting out of the ground. I've, I've seen it. Have you ever seen it when they show it in some of these? Um, I've seen it on, a, a, like, a, I don't know how to, what kind of, it was like a television show on a cable channel where they're showing a slow motion, a seed breaking through out of the ground. And it's like this explosion comes out of the ground, and you see the dirt just in slow motion, that shoot, popping up. That's the lot. But what, what, before it got the breakout, there was all this stuff happening underneath. And in that place, and then you get the breaking out, right? But in that place, under, that's where the growth is really happening. It's in the wrestling, the struggle. It's the breaking through. That's why even when we fail, it's not the end. Even when we struggle, it's okay. Spirit is willing, flesh is weak. Like Jesus gets it. It's not the point. He's saying is this. Remember, that's a lot of times how we grow. How do, when you grow, it's, you break down fibers. When you get in shape, it's pressing it. It's growing. It's wrestling. You know why? Because the Lord wants, one of the reasons is the Lord wants our faith to have fiber and resiliency and strength and not fickle and flimsy and just pushed aside when it, things don't go our way. But a faith that knows how to wrestle even through doubt and fear and grow and struggle and become strong and it has reality in it. It's stable like a tree with deep roots. It will not be moved. It's, it's connected to the grace, but it's dependent. Yes, no question, but it's strong. And it bears forth, as David said, what? Much fruit. Brings forth much fruit. God's will for all of us. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we uh, come to you this morning, this late morning and uh, into the afternoon we go. And I want to ask you to keep working in our lives. And I know, I, you know, I know your ways. They are so, your ways are good. And there's so much that you have for us, Lord. And I thank you that we can even look back in time and, and learn from principles of a man you used a long time ago. I want to ask you to keep working in our lives not, not just so we can say, oh, we're a good person. No. I want to I I be able to be the blessing. Some of us to little ones, some of us to people who we were connecting with on our jobs, friends who really need to know you, Lord. And, and we need our lives to, to be growing lives. Not perfect lives, but we're growing. We're getting better. A little brick at a time, maybe. But over time, we build safety walls. We build life. We build stability. Wholeness begins to grow inside. What was once maybe something unhealthy is now becoming healthy in you. What was before something difficult for us to deal with, now we are figuring out, with your help, how to build safety around it, Lord. I just don't give up on us, Lord, and I know you don't. You love us. So I pray that you teach us to trust you and to build our lives on you. I pray for your blessing and for the days ahead. We've got some great things ahead of us. I pray that you bless this closing song, which passionately declares a dependency on you and on our time of giving, in which we honor you together even now, Lord, as a community of people who love you. In Jesus' name, amen.